Welcome to Move Forward Radio, a show featuring interviews with physical therapists and other healthcare experts. This program is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Learn how physical therapists can help people of all ages and abilities reduce pain and improve and restore motion to achieve long-term quality of life at MoveForwardPT.com. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Jason Bellamy. At Brook Army Medical Center in Texas, physical therapist Miriam Hammerly often sees patients who have suffered a mild traumatic brain injury or concussion in the line of duty. Sometimes the concussion is the result of an explosion in combat. Other times it might be due to a fall or collision during training. But one of her recent patients, Tony Krumer Jr., suffered a concussion due to a more common workplace hazard when his head was slammed by an opening door. The effects of that workplace accident, including headaches and dizziness, were the same as they often are for soldiers on the battlefield, and the treatment was the same too. In this episode of Move Forward Radio, which coincides with Brain Injury Awareness Month, you'll hear from Miriam and Tony as they describe how those symptoms can be alleviated through physical therapy. Here now is our conversation with physical therapist Miriam Hammerly and Tony Krumer Jr. Miriam, can you go over the basics of traumatic brain injury for me? Give me a sense of the scope and the severity of the symptoms of TBI. The Department of Defense classifies traumatic brain injury at four different levels, and it's pretty much determined by the amount of time you are either unconscious or confused or disoriented. So the levels are concussion, which is the same as mild traumatic brain injury, moderate traumatic brain injury, severe traumatic brain injury, and then they classify penetrating traumatic brain injury where the skull is actually opened as the fourth type of injury. So in a moment, I want to apply those levels to kind of the patients you see every day. But first, describe to me where you work at just sort of the facility itself and kind of the range of patients you see there. I do work at Brook Army Medical Center in San Antonio. I'm in the Brain Injury Rehabilitation Service, so I specialize in head-injured individuals. I do a lot of uh, vestibular and dizziness and balance treatment. Most of my patients have received concussions. I'm not really sure. I'd have to guess the percentage. is probably 70 to 80% of my patients have concussions. There's probably about 10% that I see for pure vestibular who don't have a brain injury, and then probably around another 10% for stroke and severe and moderate brain injury. So of the people with TBI that you see, is there a easy range of mild to severe? I mean, how much do you see of one population or the other? The mild I see the most, and I prefer to call them concussion because the uh, definition of mild TBI is a normal MRI and CT. So they've basically had their bell rung. They're a little confused and disoriented for a short amount of time, less than 24 hours. And they could have had a loss of consciousness, though they don't have to, for up to 30 minutes. And they have some memory loss of the time up to 24 hours. But the main thing is that their imaging is normal. These are the folks I see the most, and their symptoms tend to be a sense of imbalance, uh, dizziness, headache is a common problem. The moderate and severe injuries, I don't see much of them. Thank God a lot of the equipment is protecting our soldiers, so we don't see a lot of penetrating severe and moderate. But when we do, most of the time, because of the excellent surgical techniques that are used, they don't come away with a lot of physical deficits that I have to deal with. But occasionally when they do, then I'm going to be dealing with spastic 
limbs. In other words, when they walk, they can't move usually one side, but sometimes either side very well, either because it's too stiff or it's just not working very well. But again, this is very rare. I don't see this very often anymore. So someone at the mild end, the garden variety concussion end, how long can that treatment range from? I mean, are we talking weeks of treatment? Are we talking months of observation and treatment? How long might you see a patient who has those symptoms? Well, what's interesting is that initially I was seeing patients for six to seven months doing basic vestibular rehab on them. And recently, well, in the last couple of years, I've come to realize that a lot of my patients actually have a neck problem. So the concussion is going to create a, a force obviously, whether it's from a blast injury or hitting your head on something, that is going to affect the cervical spine. And when you have a problem at the upper cervical spine, you can have headaches, this sense of imbalance more than anything. If they get a vertigo, that would be more related to the ear or perhaps a migraine kind of problem in general that I'm seeing. But we do a vestibular workup on our patients and make sure the ear's okay and make sure the brain's doing okay. What seems to be working the best is basically a little game that helps them reorient. Basically, your neck tells you where your head is in space, and when that's a little messed up, you get the same sense that everybody gets when they're sitting at a red light and a bus next to them moves. That's normal because if you have your head down and the bus moves, you get this visual input that you're moving, and then you pick up your head and you realize you're not. But that sensation is what my patients who have concussions deal with daily, and they don't recognize it as easily as when the bus moves because it's coming from their neck. The error signal is coming from their neck, so their brain is reacting appropriately to an error signal in the majority of my patients and basically reorienting them to that with this silly little game with a laser seems to eliminate the dizziness, and then we have to fix the upper cervical spine to get the headache under control. That's usually a little more difficult. But the type of dizziness my patients get is kind of what we call disequilibrium or a sense of imbalance. They'll kind of stagger and bump into things, but they seldom fall. Folks who have been around blast injuries in the acute stage, I don't see people acutely very often. Most of my patients have had this problem for a while. So, Tony, I'm going to ask you in a moment to talk about how some of these symptoms felt for you. But before we go into that, give me a sense of your story. How did you get a traumatic brain injury? What was the circumstances of that? Okay. So the building that I currently work in is 100% secure. So even to go Upstairs, you must have an access card to to get into the stairway, the main doors, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, about six months ago, I was entering the stairwell, and I bent over to swipe my badge because it's tied to the collar of my uniform. And there was a gentleman running down the stairs, and just as I bent over to swipe in, he came with a big thrust through the door. And the corner of the door, the inside of the door, caught me dead center of my forehead. He said I fell to the ground. He said I blacked out for a couple seconds. When I came to, I was disoriented. There was no blood, but there was a knot the size of a golf ball probably sitting in the center of my forehead. So obviously that happens. There's that immediate ouch, no doubt. What were some of the other symptoms that you started to then feel after that? I started having a lot of headaches afterwards, and I was dizzy. And from that, you know, there was poor concentration. I mean, I just couldn't sit at my desk and and stay still. But it wasn't until a few weeks after that actually happened that I actually went to seek medical attention. Because I even noticed in my workouts, when I got on the treadmill or went on a run, I would experience dizziness, as well as when I would just be sitting at my desk 
and headaches uh, quite frequently. The knot that was still on my head, it was still there, and the doc actually felt it, and she immediately referred me over to the TBI clinic, and that's where I met Dr. Bowles. So you go into the TBI clinic, you're feeling dizziness, you have these headaches, you're having attention problems. Did you have any idea what the treatment was going to look like when you walked into there? I had no idea. And so then describe to me what they did to assess you and then what your treatment looked like. So, of course, they took photos. Dr. Bowles and I had a conversation where I explained to her the symptoms and actually what happened just as I just spoke with you about. And I was immediately put on profile, on a profile, which means I had to stop all of my physical activities. I want to say, but I'm not sure if my primary care physician actually gave me meds. I believe she did initially. I was referred over to Miriam at the same time for my headaches and my dizziness, and then she prescribed some treatments to me. One was the using a full roller and a half roller to kind of loosen up some of the areas in my back that may have been relating to the headache, and it worked. The half roller, I actually took a half piece of foam and put it right at the spine of my neck, and it helped out. I could actually feel the onset of headaches when I did it. I can actually feel them going away. The dizziness, not sure what caused it to actually stop. But the good thing about coming to the clinic, the second, third, and fourth other effects, you always have that to everything that happens, is that Miriam was able to help me in some other areas with my back that I had previously been seen for that was still giving me problems. So it's been a win-win situation for me all around. So, Miriam, let's talk about that kind of full-body approach in a second. But what are your initial memories of Tony when you saw him and started working with him? Tony wasn't complaining of the dizziness initially on the initial eval. He kind of brought it up later on. The uh, headache was the main concern. His big complaint to me was that he kept going to the right on the treadmill. As far as treating cervicogenic dizziness, which is basically what I decided he had after clearing his ears and his brain, we generally treat that with this proprioceptive retraining game with this little laser that we put on their forehead and give them a target. I believe we started that later in Tony's... Yeah, we did. Not to interrupt, but we did start that one. Once I was released to continue with my physical activity, I started out on the treadmill, as, as Miriam mentioned. Then the very next time I came to see her, I said, hey, I'm starting to veer off to the right as I'm on the treadmill. This has never happened before. That's when we started the laser treatment. And they usually come in with the dizziness as the main complaint, but the headache was Tony's main complaint. We started treating the cervical headache, which involves treating the upper cervical spine and the upper thoracic spine, the first rib. So we do basically manipulations, mobilization, stretching, but mostly, and some strengthening. But the dizziness happens because the very, very top bone in your neck, there's three the top bones we call the upper cervical spine. They have some muscles that attach from them to the skull, and they basically are more measurement devices for your brain. So if you turn your head in one direction, these muscles will tell your brain, hey, we're turned 32 degrees to the left, or we're turned 22 degrees to the right. But these muscles in this area, which also causes the headache, when these muscles get tense and irritated, either with the headache or without the headache, they can send an error signal to the brain. And your brain 
basically takes in information about where you are in space from your vision, what you see. From your inner ear, it, it learns about movement. It learns, I'm turning right, I'm turning left, I stopped, I went forward, I'm moving up, I'm moving down. It tells you the initial acceleration of that movement. For example, when you're in the airplane, you can tell you're taking off, but once it's up there and flying and not changing speed, you don't really feel like you're moving. So your inner ear tells you about going faster and going slower. The neck tells this part of your brain about where you are in space, and it tells you exactly where you are in space. And the top two or three bones provide half of the movement of your neck. So these muscles, when you turn in one direction, one of them will stretch and the other one will get shrunk up. They act as little sensors that tell your brain exactly where your head is in space. So this computer in your brain takes this information and compares it, and as long as everything matches, there's no problem. But if there's a mismatch in any of the three systems, it'll give you an error signal, and it'll tell another part of your brain to make a correction. So what ends up happening is you'll stagger, or in Tony's case, run to the right on the treadmill. He keep kept veering right. Some people will veer off the sidewalk. These are the kind of people you're walking next to, and they're constantly bumping into you. They don't realize it, but basically what's happening is their neck, and well, in Tony's case, the neck, it can come from anywhere, but the neck was telling him, hey, you're going left, so I need to move you to the right. So he's running on the treadmill, he kind of goes to the right. So basically all we did was, as we worked with his neck, we actually made the dizziness a little worse, is what ended up happening. So we initiated the laser exercise, kind of like recalibrating the sights on your gun. You have a target, you stand a certain distance away from the wall, put a laser on your head and adjust the laser to where you're looking, then you put the target on the laser. And then basically you're just going to turn your head and close your eyes and try to find where you were. And you just reorient a couple times a day, once in the morning, once in the evening. It usually makes the dizziness go away. Your brain's fine, it just needs to know what your neck is saying at any given point in time. As we work with him, well, the neck error signals, it doesn't necessarily have to be pain because you can feel better and still get an error signal. The error signal stops happening because it becomes more consistent. In other words, the neck's not changing languages. That's what I tell my patients. It's like if you sleep funny, your neck gets stiff, now it's speaking German. Your brain's going, what? I'm speaking English. I don't know what you're saying. And then as you go through the day, maybe you loosen up or you get worse. It doesn't matter whether you get better or you get worse. Now it's speaking French. So basically what the little game with the laser does is it tells your brain which language book to get out. So get the French book out, get the English book out. And then the dizziness just abates. In the meantime, we give him exercises to strengthen his neck and we give him manual therapy to normalize the range until it starts to be more consistent and stop getting stiff all the time. So, Tony, you're veering right on the treadmill when you go to do this laser exercise for the first time. Was it difficult? No, it wasn't difficult. It was interesting, though, when she explained it to me, how the dizziness that I was experiencing or the imbalance that I was experiencing was coming from because you identified immediately the first time you opened your eyes from the laser exercise. And trying to get back to the start point was very interesting. <laughs> it's more interesting than uh, than anything, just seeing how that whole laser exercise works and, and causes your brain to refunction or to retool itself. And how long of doing these exercises, you know, all the therapies put together from the laser exercise to the manual therapy on your neck to the foam rolling that you're doing, how long until you started seeing sort of positive results? 
I would say I started seeing them right away from the first time that they um, actually showed me a couple of the exercises in the clinic. And I went home and tried them out. I saw how they helped. There's another interesting one where, and Miriam, I can't remember the name of it, where I took my head and put it in a kind of a harness. It was actually attached to the door and kind of pulled away, and I can immediately, I immediately felt it in the clinic when they showed it to me. And I kind of started doing that more at home than actually using the roller because I saw immediate impact on that. Even if I started to have a headache, it took the pain level down probably three-quarters of the way immediately just by doing the uh, harness exercise. And Miriam, describe that exercise and why that works. He's talking about what we call towel traction. We like to get things that are simple for our patients to use. They have all kinds of fancy traction devices that you can spend a lot of money on, but basically we just get a towel and roll it up and we get a rope. I learned this from a gentleman in California who taught me a lot of stuff at USC, Robert Landell. Basically, you just roll up a towel, you put a slip knot on a rope and tie it around it, and then tie this about three-foot-long rope to a doorknob, and the patient lays on the floor, or if you have something that's about three feet from your mattress, and you put the towel on the back of your head, not like it's choking you, and then onto your forehead, sort of like a scarf, and you just scooch down, and people who have a lot of muscle tension do better with the towel traction than the half-foam roller that Tony's talking about. Half-foam roller was actually designed by my um, PT assistant, Lavelle Crowther. I really don't feel comfortable explaining that because if you don't do Mm -hmm. it right, you can probably Mm -hmm. hurt yourself. So I'm not going to really get into that. (laughs) But it's also a form of cervical traction, and it gives a suboccipital release at the same time. So it kind of puts a little pressure on those muscles that I was talking about to kind of stretch them out. And the takeaway seems to be that Tony mentioned he had back problems that you ended up treating as well, but the problem that what he's feeling is headache and he's feeling dizziness that actually sort of treating the neck is as much as anything that the gateway to treating some of these feelings that he has in his brain. Is that accurate? Yes. What I'm seeing in most of my patients, and again, I don't often get acute. Tony was pretty acute, although I believe you had headaches for a few years, haven't you, Tony? Right, yeah. Yeah, his headaches were more chronic. I think I read in my note that it was about 10 years he'd been having headaches. He probably was set up for that. The folks that like towel traction tend to be people who have a lot of muscle spasm. People with high-stress jobs often have this. Not, I don't know that what Tony's job is. I'm not talking about that. But he goes through a lot of doors that are locked, so he probably is a high-stress job. <laughs> <laughs> And the towel traction works better because it kind of pulls a lot lower. It gets you into your thoracic spine where your ribs are and kind of loosens things up. And we're often fighting that. And just getting things moving again usually loosens stuff up. You asked me earlier about how long it takes, and I never did finish. Initially, with the other exercises, it was taking six to seven months, and my patients were still complaining that they they didn't feel good. They had this sense of dizziness. And now generally... People don't have a lot of bad issues going on in their neck. It only takes between one to three months. Folks who have a lot of chronic neck issues and low back issues, sometimes it'll take three or four months before we get them independent with managing their own issues when it's that bad. And so, you know, you see patients who have suffered a concussion, say, because of a blast. Tony suffered a concussion because he had a door opened into his head. Is the treatment really any different for the cause, or does the cause not matter? And essentially, your treatment would be the same in both those situations most of the time. 
the cause doesn't seem to matter in my population. The blast, there's always a chance that there's a vestibular component. It's important that you clear the inner ear and you look for central issues. Some patients have PTSD on top of everything else, what with being in blasts and all these types of things. I've found that some of their eye movements that generally lead us down the central path can be related to the PTSD. So um, when I say central path, the brain path, I think there's two specific things that we're going to be doing studies on here in the future that I think are leading a lot of us down the wrong path of treatment for central issues that the neck may actually be providing an error signal and creating what looks like a central issue. Not saying that PTSD causes, that it causes PTSD, obviously, but if you have PTSD, the word I like to use for that is hypervigilant. And if you're out and people are shooting at you, you tend to look around for the bad guy a lot. And there's two different ways that our eyes move. One is if you have a target that you're following and that when your eye follows, let's say, Here's a good description of it. I read it in a book, Dr. Herdman's book. Think of two guys sitting in a canoe, one in the front and one in the back, and they're duck hunters. And there's a V of ducks flying across the sky, and the guy in the front of the boat is looking at the duck in the front. And as he watches that duck fly across the sky, that would be smooth pursuit. So the eye moves smoothly when it's got a target to focus on that's moving. And then the guy in the back of the boat shoots the duck in the back. So when the guy hears the gunshot go off and he sees the duck start to fall, his eyes will saccade or move rapidly to the duck that's falling. The inability to follow something smoothly has what they call saccadic intrusions is a central sign. But I found in some psych articles that people with PTSD seem to have this eye movement. When I found that, and then I started looking at the neck a little more closely, and people just started getting better. I think, you know, if you hurt your ear in the, initially, you're not going to move your head around much because your ear's damaged. You are very likely to create a neck problem. And that may be the case in the more acute injuries that are going on. I don't see a whole lot of acute injuries, but when I do, they do seem to be, if there is a vestibular component, they've already compensated for it, and that's not really bothering them, but they have a secondary problem that seems to be coming from the neck fairly frequently in my specific patient population, though I'm sure others would disagree with me. So, Tony, how are you feeling today? Are you still experiencing any of the symptoms from your head injury, or are those symptoms going away? Dizziness, I think, has gone away. Not experiencing that anymore, but the headaches, I'm still having headaches. And from your perspective, from the patient perspective, do you have any advice to anybody who sort of suffered a, I mean, again, you're sort of in your daily working environment, you get a blow to the head, and you don't feel good as a result. Do you come away from this, this experience with any advice for somebody else who kind of had a similar head injury? Yes, I recommend, if they're in a situation where I was, where it was just two of us, you know, at the uh, point of injury, to seek medical attention right away, because I did, and I waited a couple weeks before I actually went to the doctor. And that probably could have hurt me more in the long run than helped. And then, Miriam, same thing for people every day who, who might feel that they might have some sort of head trauma, might have a concussion. What's your kind of takeaway advice for them? Seek help. Find somebody that specializes in this and get yourself evaluated because there's a lot we can do. Some of the folks in the past who have 
been treated and still have dizziness issues, if you've been treated by a vestibular therapist, go see if you can find an orthopedic therapist, and if you're, especially if you're having neck pain and tightness. Some people don't even recognize that their neck hurts. It just kind of comes on. If you can't turn your head 90 degrees without pain or pulling sensation, you might want to get somebody to take a look at it, an orthopedic PT. The disequilibrium is kind of, like I said, that same sensation you get when the bus moves at the stoplight. Now, that's normal. That happens to everybody. But if it happens and there's not a bus sitting next to you, you need somebody to check it out. Miriam Hammerly, Tony Cromer, thank you so much for your time. You're very much welcome, and thank you. Thank you. You can learn more about Brain Injury Awareness Month at the website of the Brain Injury Association of America, www.biausa.org. Also search the hashtag NotAloneInBrainInjury. To learn more about the benefits of physical therapy, find the Symptoms and Conditions Guides for Concussion and Traumatic Brain Injury at MoveForwardPT.com. I'm Jason Bellamy. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guest is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Learn more about how a physical therapist can help you and find a physical therapist in your area at moveforwardpt.com. For an archive of past episodes, visit moveforwardpt.com radio.